Man, it's so great uh, coming together to celebrate Thanksgiving, isn't it? And, uh, you know, just hearing people's uh, reflections of thankfulness and just um, just reflecting myself uh, this week, preparing for tonight's message. And just God is so good, you know. He's so good. We have so much to be thankful for. In fact, as we begin uh, tonight, I just thought it'd be neat, uh, before I begin uh, my sermon for this evening, I just thought it'd be neat. Let's, let's just uh, speak a word of biblical thanks to the Lord tonight and uh, read together a, uh, a passage from the psalm, Psalm 136, verses 1 through 4. Uh, let's read this together this evening. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Amen. God is truly so good. One of the uh, great joys that's, uh, in, as a pastor for me over the years has been the opportunity to, to uh, preach God's word in a, in a whole variety of settings uh, all over the world. And uh, one of my favorite settings to preach is, uh, is in prisons and jails. And I've had opportunities to, to speak in jails uh, numerous occasions in many countries. And uh, it's very interesting having an opportunity to, uh, to worship with brothers in Christ who are behind bars for crimes that they've committed. Uh, and yet to see their lives be transformed by Christ and and, and, and them worshiping in the freedom of the Spirit. And it's just a true joy. Uh, I remember this past year I had an opportunity. I've actually spoken over here at the Lionel Lakes Prison a number of times. And uh, this past year I had an opportunity to speak over there. And uh, it was a, a worship service on a Friday night. And I'll never forget, it was probably one of the most powerful times of worship I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Uh, we were standing there together in worship, and I remember uh, it was just like the spirit was moving that night, just so present. You could, it was like you could cut it with a knife, you know. God was just there. And these men, you know, prisoners, were, you know, raising their hands up to the Lord in praise and worship. And, and I'm standing right there in the midst of these guys, praising the Lord with these guys who are behind bars for committing some, some of them some terrible crimes. And I remember thinking to myself as I'm standing there praising the Lord. I remember thinking to myself, you know, the only difference between me and these guys here tonight in, in, in God's eyes is that I get to go home at the end of the night. And I remember praising and thanking God for his goodness and looking at these men next to me who were going to be in there for some of them 10, 20 more years. And I remember thinking... In God's eyes, the only difference between them and me is there is none. I mean, we're all sinners. There is no difference between, between these guys and myself in God's eyes. I'm a sinner too. And I remember thinking, you know, I deserve God's judgment just as much as any of these guys. And yet, like my brothers in Christ inside that prison, I too have been redeemed by God's grace. And it was just a really powerful uh, reminder to me about God's grace and his goodness. You know, and tonight as I think about all of God's blessings in my life, uh, I'm so thankful. So thankful this year for so many things. 
know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here at this church and the friendships that I've made here and uh, just uh, the ability to uh, serve with so many great people. And uh, I'm thankful for my family and my kids. I'm thankful for our health. And I'm thankful for everything that God's provided for us. And I'm especially thankful tonight for God's grace. I'm really thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for the redemption that he's provided for me in Jesus Christ. Because, honestly, friends, I owe everything to Jesus. We owe it all to Jesus. I was reading this week, and I came across in Scripture, uh, 1 Peter. And I was reading in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Isn't that awesome, friends, to think about that? God has given us new birth into a living hope through Jesus Christ. And God is a God of redemption. God's a God of redemption. He's in the redemption business. And tomorrow, as we celebrate Thanksgiving and recognize God's many blessings in our lives. I want to encourage you to remember to give thanks. Give thanks to God for the redemption he's given us in Jesus Christ. You know, just a quick review. What is redemption? Well, the Bible speaks about redemption in two primary ways. You know, the first thing the Bible teaches us about redemption is that redemption is about God purchasing us out of slavery out of slavery to sin. You see, in the ancient world, it was a common practice. Uh, slavery was a common reality in the ancient world. And many people would spend their entire lives as slaves, slaves for labor. But there was a, an opportunity as a slave in the ancient world to purchase your freedom or to have a benefactor purchase your freedom for you. And they called this process redemption being redeemed, being purchased out of slavery, and being given your freedom. And the Bible tells us that God has redeemed us. He's redeemed us. He's purchased us out of our slavery. Not slavery as slaves of labor, but our slavery to sin. God has redeemed us. He's purchased us out of our slavery to sin. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we read, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Jesus gave himself as a ransom. He ransomed us out of our slavery to sin. We read that in Romans, in Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference Again, standing in the midst of those prisoners in jail. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Jesus ransomed us and he's redeemed us. He's purchased us out of slavery. And that redemption comes through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. He says, But thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves to sin, 
you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You see, we are no longer slaves to sin. Because of Jesus Christ, we have been freed. Well, the Bible also speaks about redemption in another way. The Bible also speaks about that not only is our redemption a purchasing out of slavery, but the Bible says that God is a God of redemption, a God of restoration. The Bible tells us throughout the Old and New Testament that God takes broken things and he makes them like new again. Isn't that good news? God takes broken things and he makes them like new again. We read this all throughout Scripture. In Psalm 103, for example, King David says this. He says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. God is a God of redemption. He's a God of restoration. He takes old things and makes them new. He takes broken things and he makes them whole again. He does this for lives. He does this for hearts. He does this for spirits. He does this for relationships. He does this for marriages. He does this for families. God takes broken things and he redeems them. He restores them. He makes them new again. And I'm thankful for that God. The Bible says that not only does God promise redemption in this life, but the Bible tells us that God promises redemption to us in the life to come. In Revelations 21, 3-5, we read about the future. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. As Psalm 136 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I look forward to that day, friends, when God will make all things new. And we won't have to worry about sickness or death or mourning or pain. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. God is our Redeemer. God is our hope. And what better day than Thanksgiving to celebrate God's grace and his redeeming love. You know, when you think about Thanksgiving, the reality is Thanksgiving truly is a holiday that is all about redemption. I mean, think about it. Thanksgiving really is a holiday all about redemption. While we often think of God's redemption at Christmas time or Easter, Thanksgiving is a holiday founded squarely upon the hope of redemption. When you think back to the origins of Thanksgiving, we're all familiar with the story of the pilgrims and how God protected them and provided for them. He restored them. He redeemed them. But yet a lot of people don't realize that that story of the pilgrims actually began ten years prior to the pilgrims with a young Indian brave named Squanto. Historical accounts of Squanto's life vary, but 
Historians believe that around 1608, more than a decade before the pilgrims arrived in the New World, a group of English traders sailed to what today is known as Plymouth, Massachusetts. When the trusting Wampanoag Indians came out to trade, the traders took them prisoner, and they transported them back to Spain and sold them into slavery. It was an unimaginable horror. But God had amazing plans for one of those Indians, a boy named Squanto. Squanto was bought by a well-meaning Spanish monk who treated him kindly and taught him the Christian faith. Squanto was eventually released, and he made his way to England where he worked in the stables of a man named John Slaney. And Slaney sympathized with Squanto's desire to return home to America. Slaney was a believer himself. And Slaney promised Squanto that he would assure that he would make the next trip home to America. It wasn't until 1618, ten years after Squanto was first kidnapped, that a ship was found. And finally, after a decade of exile and heartbreak, Squanto was on his way home. But when he arrived home in Massachusetts, heartbreak awaited him. You see, an epidemic had wiped out Squanto's entire village. His family was all gone. His friends were all gone. You know, I can only imagine what must have gone through Squano's mind. Why had God allowed him to return home against all odds, only to find all of his family dead, gone? Well, a year later, the answer came. A shipload of English families arrived and settled on the very land once occupied by Squanto's people. Squanto went to meet them and greeted the startled pilgrims in English. Can you imagine the surprise? According to the diary of Pilgrim Governor William Bradford, Squanto, and I quote, Squanto became a special instrument sent from God for our good. He showed us how to plant our corn, where to take fish and to procure other commodities. He was also our pilot to bring us to unknown places for our profit, and he never left us until he died. When Squanto lay dying of fever, Bradford wrote that their Indian friend desired the governor to pray for him, that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. Squanto bequeathed his possessions to the pilgrims as his remembrances of his love for them. Friends, who but God could convert a lonely Indian and then use him to save a struggling band of Englishmen? Reminds me of another story of another biblical character, another slave. Joseph sold into slavery. And God used that tragedy to save the nation of Israel. See, God is a redeeming God. He's a God of restoration. You know, Thanksgiving goes on in 1789... President George Washington issued the first proclamation of thanksgiving. It was the first day of thanksgiving to God under our new constitution. And Washington says he did this as an act of gratitude for God's deliverance during the Revolutionary War and for his guidance over our new nation. And then in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln made thanksgiving an official national holiday. 
which is the reason we celebrate it tomorrow. In 1863, Lincoln set aside the last Thursday of November as a national day of thanksgiving. And he did this at a very important time in our nation's history. You see, it was at the height of the Civil War. And Lincoln declared a national day of thanksgiving because he wanted to offer our nation a time of healing, a time of peace where both the North and the South could pause from their war and acknowledge God's goodness, God's graciousness and his mercies even in the midst of a brutal civil war. You know, it's very interesting, this 1863 proclamation from Lincoln came during a very pivotal time in Lincoln's life. A pivotal time spiritually in Lincoln's life. You see, it was just a few months earlier, during the first week of July that year, that the Battle of Gettysburg occurred. One of the worst battles in our nation's history, over 60,000 men lay dead at the end of the Battle of Gettysburg. And in early July, actually four months later after that famous battle, Abraham Lincoln delivered his famous Gettysburg Address. And it was while Lincoln was walking among the graves of those 60,000 dead soldiers that Lincoln committed his life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Lincoln wrote in his journal, When I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. But I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. It's very interesting, the foundations of thanksgiving. See, Thanksgiving, friends, is really all about redemption. God redeems lives, and God redeems nations and even their leaders. And God's redeemed me, and I hope that he's redeemed you as well. Do you know God is your redeemer tonight? Maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering how I can be redeemed. Can God do that for me? Can I be made new again? You know, God can do this for you, friends. God can save you. He can restore you. He can make you like new again. You know, what greater reason to celebrate Thanksgiving than to know you've been redeemed. The Bible shares with us one of the greatest redemption stories ever told. In fact, it's a true story, and it's about all of us. In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we read in Scripture from Jesus' words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Isn't that an awesome truth? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God loves you. And he sent Jesus to save you, to provide a way. In the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we read that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He's a redeeming God. 
And I'll tell you what, friends, if you're here tonight and you do not know God as your Redeemer, it's a simple matter of simply confessing that you need Him, that you have fallen short of His glory, that you, like all of us in this room tonight, have sinned. And you need Jesus. And God is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins. And you'll have a reason to celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow like never before. You know, others of us here tonight have already experienced the joy of redemption. And because of this, we know our ultimate reason for giving thanks tomorrow, don't we? The greatest reason of Thanksgiving, the greatest reason of them all. Friends, let me remind you tonight, though, that the end of our redemption is not simply the act of thanksgiving. The end of our redemption is a calling. It's a calling to help others find redemption in Christ as well, so that they too might come to know the ultimate reason for giving thanks. We are called to be Christ's ambassadors to the world. You hear me say that a lot, don't you? Because that's what it's all about. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in Jesus' final words to his followers, he said that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. And he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the very ends of the earth. Matthew 28 echoes this in what is called the Great Commission, where God sent his disciples out into all the world to be his ambassadors. Friends, do you remember when God rescinded the Great Commission? Remember that? He didn't, did he? The same great commission that he gave his followers 2,000 years ago is still very much in effect today. We're called to be his ambassadors. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus told his disciples, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We're to be ambassadors even in our actions, in our lifestyle, that people may see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. But not only in our actions and lifestyle, but we're to be ambassadors in our speech, in the truths we communicate. In 1 Peter 3.15, the Apostle Peter tells us, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be prepared to give an answer, a reason for the hope that you have. What a privilege this calling is to think that God would take broken, sinful people like us and invite us to share in the joy of helping others come to know His saving grace. It's really remarkable. But this is our God. He redeems the broken and uses them for his glory. Everything we are, it's all because of Jesus, and it's all for Jesus. This past Monday, I had an opportunity to participate in an interesting phone call. On the other end of the line was a man who was recently released from the county jail. He had served his time, and while he was in our county jail, he had been discipled by one of our members here at Lakes Free. And he had become a follower of Jesus. And friends, I wish 
I could accurately convey to you the joy and the excitement and the hope in this man's voice as he talked about the difference that Jesus had made in his life, as he talked about the hope that he had for the future, that he might follow Christ faithfully, that he might put his old life behind him and start pursuing God faithfully in the ways of Christ. And it was very interesting as we talked, he asked me a question that it was one of those gut check moments, you know, kind of hits you right in the core of your being. You see, he wanted to come and visit our church here sometime. But he worried about how people would receive him. He asked me, Jason, do you think I'll be welcome there? What would you have told him, friends? Would someone like this be welcome here? I'll tell you what I shared with him. I said, I promise you, I promise you, you'll be welcome here. How can I make such a confident promise, friends? Because I know that this is a church full of redeemed people. We too were lost in our sins. And we too deserved condemnation. But praise be to God, Jesus has saved us. And that's why we're here tonight. And that's why this church exists. And that's ultimately why we'll give thanks tomorrow. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, words cannot express our gratitude for you and the gift you've given us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father, tomorrow as we give thanks as a church, as a nation, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would remember to give thanks to you for your goodness to us and your grace and your gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave it all. He gave it all so that we might live. Heavenly Father, you loved us so very much that you didn't even spare your own Son, but you willingly sent him to be a ransom to purchase us out of our slavery to sin. And we can never repay you for that, Lord, other than to offer you our gifts of thankfulness and our gifts of worship and praise. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone here tonight who has never known you as the God of redemption, the God who restores old things and makes them like new again, the God who restores broken lives and makes them whole again, if there's somebody here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that even tonight they might consider confessing their sins, confessing their need for you, and say, Lord Jesus, I want to accept the gift you've given me. I want to give my life to you tonight, Lord. There's about a million ways we can pray that prayer. God knows your heart. And if you ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, And to redeem you, he will do that because God is faithful and just. Lord, for those of us who know you as our Redeemer, again, we are grateful. And help us, Lord, to remember that the end of our redemption is not simply thanksgiving, but the end of our redemption is a calling. A calling to take the truths and the promises you've given us 
and the gospel to the entire world. And we start here in Lindstrom and Chisago and Forest Lake and North Branch and Stacy, St. Croix Falls. We start here, Lord, in our area with the people around us, with our neighbors, our friends, our schoolmates, our co-workers. Lord, give us a burden for the lost people in our lives. And remind us every day of our lives, Lord, that we are your ambassadors. Help us to shine our light so brightly, Lord, that other people come to know the hope that's found in you. Help us to be ready, Lord, to speak words of truth when people ask us for a reason for the hope that we have. Let us never shy away from speaking the truth in love, Lord and proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ offers redemption to all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you. To you be the honor and the glory, in Jesus' name.